Reed Hoffman said this, where if you're not embarrassed by your by your pro, your first product, you're too late. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesoming's podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. Everyone, welcome back to Awesome Inc. Thanks for choosing to spend your time with us and hear another great story of a really cool Kentucky startup. I have the pleasure of sitting down with Brandon Young. Well, yes, I'm sitting down, but again, we're we're in two different cities. I'm in Lexington, he's in Louisville, and we're chatting over Google Meets, changing it up, which is always exciting. And so we're going to be sitting down with Brandon talking about his backstory, his experience as an engineer to entrepreneur in his mid-20s and his company, Pascal Tags. So with that, Brandon, all I can say is it is good to finally have some quality time with someone my age who is an absolute rock star of an entrepreneur. And I think my first memory of you was when you won December 2018 Five Across Finals here in Lexington. So that was a that was a nice bookmark in and getting to meet you. So it was really cool to to see that you won Five Across and then now you are in the fellowship and we are we're excited to see where your company goes. Definitely. I know one thing before um before I joined this podcast, I was talking to someone, I can't remember who it was. Oh, it was our attorney. And he asked what podcast I was doing and I was talking about it. And I said, um, it might actually be the first time I ever talked to someone that is my age when it comes to startups. So it's definitely, it's definitely an experience for me talking to someone that's young and humble. Well, hey, it takes two of us. So I'm, uh, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just as glad to, to sit down and, and talk with you. So Brandon, let's go ahead and dive on in. So for people who don't know, you're from Kentucky. You went to DuPont Manual High School. Fun fact, I went to Mail, but guess what? We're at a high school now, so we can be friends and not rivals. And, and with that, uh, I, want people, I want you to share your background. I want the people listening to hear maybe some of your, your grassroots growing up and then what led you to become an entrepreneur. So some of like the, the college, the, the foundational experiences that led to where you are today. So I went to manual, I was a MST magnet. So math, science, technology, I would say manual is probably, well, I wouldn't say probably 100% the reason why I do entrepreneurship. That was my first exposure to what I would call pre-entrepreneurship. And what I mean by that is um, roughly around my, I think, sophomore year, I ended up starting or everyone that's an MSC has to do science fair. And a lot of people t- take it very seriously. I was one of those people that told myself I would never take it seriously. That was until my second year. And I took it as seriously as humanly possible uh, because of how competitive I am. And I just kind of learned a lot of the basics of business, trying to build a science fair um, project about robots and working late nights, really trying to focus on what the end user would need and indirectly built kind of a startup out of it. I never really pursued it. Um, But regardless, it gave me that initial exposure and this experience of what is now something I do on a day-to-day basis of just on the grind, continually trying to build something um, on multiple different sides. 
And what really got me slowly into entrepreneurship was I ended up starting the FRC, so first robotics competition team at Manual my junior slash senior year. And that was 100% a startup where we actually did pitches to big companies to get money. We built a product. We had a goal. We raised money. And we did a pretty good job. I think we raised over $50,000, had a decent robot, had a decent team, and the team's still around. So clearly it was successful even after I graduated. But that exposure allowed me to get a lot of the foundations that not only from an engineering perspective, but the ability to talk. And I was a person that always did the pitch. Whenever judges would come by or we talked to what I would call investors, quote unquote, of the team. And that slowly led me to go to speed school for electrical engineering. And within the first, I think, two months, I ended up starting the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Club, where more directly that is um, basically the reason Pasco Tax exists is I use that um, club as a way for me to really get the exposure, the experience to build my own startup. And how I started the club is through a fellowship called University Innovation Fellows. So it's a Stanford-based fellowship where they want to help bring a lot of what Silicon Valley's perfected, their innovation, their entrepreneurship, to smaller cities, to places where entrepreneurship may not be that big. And me and a group of three other people ended up being the first from Louisville, not the first from Kentucky. I think we were probably like the first out of eight people, first eight probably, um, from another university besides the University of Louisville that went. And we used that kind of experience, and I even credit a lot of what I learned through that fellowship to creating Pascal because I learned design thinking. So the ability to kind of focus on what a customer really needs, pulling everything back, looking at the basically the meat and bones of everything and determining where a potential gap would be. And the really cool thing about it is we learned from basically the best companies in the world where we had daily conversations when over like a five-day meetup, we went to Apple, Google, Google X, Microsoft, and similar companies like that, where they just talked about design thinking. And even we learned what Google uses over their first two weeks of their new hires to figure out a way to teach design thinking. And slowly but surely, kind of transitioning to my sophomore year, I ended up um, feeling very weird that the founder of the Entrepreneurship Innovation Club at UofL didn't have his own startup. So I pushed the entire club, which I think at that point, on and off, probably 30 to 50, 30 to 50 people, really committed members, maybe 10 to 20. And we ended up having all of those members get free tickets to Startup Weekend and have our own pitch. I roughly about three or four months ago, sat down and did design thinking and thought about a problem that faced me near and dear to my heart, and that was inventory. Now, it sounds weird, um, but it's basically what I realized is on my first date, I think that ended up being three or four months before Startup Weekend and before I did the design thinking, is my girlfriend, that is still my girlfriend, um, 
she ended up losing her keys and locking herself out on her first date. I think she ended up doing that on her third date and fifth date as well with me. So I ended up using that problem, which was indirect to me, but more direct to my girlfriend, and use it to think, is there a way to create an inventory tag to prevent that problem? And that's where Pasco Tags basically started. And then ever since then, we've been slowly but surely building the company and getting to where we are now. Brandon, thanks so much for giving us the background. It is always good to hear bits of someone's story. And I think that's really great because it, it shows the journey. And oftentimes, the journey is the reward in, in the long run. And I know you are still on yours. And before we get a bit more into the weeds of Pascal Tags, uh, yeah, I, I want to always come back to this, this, uh, this part where you bring up your girlfriend. So is your girlfriend really, really comfortable with you using that story and saying, oh, yeah, because of her habitual habit of losing keys, uh, I wanted to solve a problem and make everyone's life easier. And then, boom, my company was formed. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. She, I mean, at first, I think she felt embarrassed, but she realized how I don't really talk about it very much, mostly because we've switched from the home industry to more like the main supply chain. So, yeah, she's definitely comfortable with it. It's always a funny story, and she always says, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have started Pascal Tag. So it's always a funny story between her and I. Another thing that you mentioned that, man, I have such an admiration for, it's that you, you started young and you were hungry. You went, yeah, you said you went through the MST program at Manual, went to UofL, went to speed school, went through the accelerator with Stanford, which is, man, so stinking cool. So with your background experiences and from electrical engineering to robotics, quality assurance, management, all this good stuff, how did you actually form the company? So yes, you found a problem. Yes, you knew, hey, I have an idea. But how did you take your past experiences and say, well, this worked then and that worked for me in this situation? What, yeah, what really started the, uh, the wheels, that proverbial wheel to turn to actually bring about a company? So I ended up doing a good analysis of what the competitors were doing. And that is, Basically, when you think of an inventory tag, there's two options. There's what I call a complex solution. So your RFID, your Bluetooth, you could even include GPS, but it's basically any inventory tag that is um, active. And even RFID has chips even in its passive version. And then the other option are your codes. So there are elementary versions that are your QR, your barcode, barcodes of the world. And... I wanted to see if from a, in a initial home application, I realized that you can't use barcode because you have to basically point your device or your item with the tag directly at some sort of detector or reader. That wasn't going to work. And with RFID, you didn't really get a fair amount of distance for something that was cost effective. You're going to have to pay thousands upon thousands of dollars to get something that can easily detect at a multiple omnidirectional perspective. So the idea was to walk through a door and have everything in your backpack or on your person, it would automatically detect you. So that would be to prevent, like if you say one day you need your key, your phone, your wallet, your keys, and the charger. If you get your charger, it'll notify you before you leave on this device, hey, you need to go back and get your charger. So I ended up seeing the true problem is that any sort of inventory tag that had functionality was 
a dollar to multiple cents per tag. And that really wasn't feasible for multiple um, or basically being able to go on every product. And if you go back to um, my example of like with my girlfriend, it'd be perfect if she could do on every device, but because we were both college students at the time, she has, let's say 10 books, five notebooks, her phone, her wallet, her keys, and other things like that. That's more than 20 or 30 devices. That's not feasible for Tile, which is one of the bigger competitors in that space. And that's about $20 per tag. And at that point, they would only do three. So basically, long story short, I realized there needs to be a way to make an inventory tag that was completely passive but had functionality. And so I used my background of electrical engineering to see, is it possible to connect something that is truly passive, so only conductive and non-conductive material, to a network? So whether it's an independent network or if it's Wi-Fi or 5G, is there a way to do it? And that's what slowly led me into the solution of Pascal Tag. Such an interesting story. And I love it because, again, you talked about your passion, your experience in using both. And where they're meeting is definitely the outcome. So, again, really cool to hear your story. And with that, I know a bit because we've worked with your company. We've, we've had some great conversations. So I know in 2018, Pascal Tags formed. And you guys, like you have mentioned a couple of times, fighting problems with inventory losses and inefficiency around, around that industry. So take the average person, Brandon, who is not involved in this industry. You might have said a couple of them earlier on. But what are some of the current solutions and ultimately what gives Pascal Tags an advantage in this industry? In terms of the main competitors, it's, it's truly your barcode slash QR and RFID. When people think of inventory tags, and even I've had when I've done pitches, people think we are RFID. And in most, the everyday consumer probably interacts with a barcode. Like if you go to Walmart, Home Depot, Target, when you scan something at an automatic scanner or I forget the name of it, but basically when you're checking out, they use a barcode to do a simple detection. The issue with that is most barcodes are actually made at the SKU level. And what a SKU level is basically saying, this is product. Um, let's say it's a drill. It's just a DeWalt drill that is, that has a 12 volt battery that has this certain size to it. The problem is, to really get the efficiency and data of what's really going on in products and how they're manufactured and how they're interacted with is it can't be at the SKU level. It has to be at the individual product level. So instead of being a SKU number for every single drill, and there may be a million of them that, for example, Home Depot would sell, you would want to know this is drill one, drill two, drill three, drill four, and you can store data directly to that assignment or like an automatic VIN number. The challenge is barcode to really get the data to be able to do that for every product is not feasible at this point and really hasn't been mm -hmm. successfully implemented. And the other problem with barcode is has really no functionality. It's just a piece of paper. And if you put your hand in front of it, if you scratch it significantly, or if you put any chemicals on it, can't detect it. And when you think about the main supply chain, especially manufacturing, there's significant wear, there's significant tear, and even in a lot of cases, there's chemicals. So in our case of kind of directly competing with that, our goal was to have something that is as cost-effective as that, 
can be implemented through a printer and then be able to have functionality that is durable, it's accurate, it can actually be put on every product. So instead of saying this is SKU number one, two, three, four, it's this is the actual product and we can assign data for every single product. And then the other option, which is a more kind of advanced version is your RFID. The biggest problem with that is you use energy harvesting. Now that is the most, the average person won't know what that is, but it's basically saying you can use frequency or waves all around us to store energy and detect via chip. Problem with that is that interaction is very complicated. You have to have a lot of power and a reader to do that. So it makes it very expensive and convoluted. So to really get the functionality, you either have to pay a significant price increase to get to that point. And our goal is to kind of be that perfect middle option of we may not have the perfect omnidirectional detection, like the perfect tracker in the world, like GPS, but we have a middle ground that creates this purpose of a cradle-to-grave inventory tag that can tell you the data of a product at the individual product level. Yeah, I definitely feel like a fish out of water because you are so immersed and I'm thinking, I've never even thought of half of this before, which again is so cool because you know so much more than you're an expert in this field. I know jack squat and that's why we need people like you who are solving problems that one, I don't even know exist. So really cool to give some of those comparisons. And I like hearing that you are able to say, well, when this happens to, to this other competitor or this chip or this, this method of how we track things and it gets scratched or the signal's broken, you're, you're out of luck. So really cool that you're able to identify their weak points and improve that within your own product. And yeah, Brandon, I know we, we mentioned this at the beginning of our conversation. You're a young entrepreneur. You're in your mid-20s. What do you do that contributes to your success that you find the average human does not do? So I think, it, I will say, it is always weird hearing that I'm in my mid-20s. I'm, techni- I'm technically 24. And I still feel like I'm 20. And I like think the last time I went to a bar, I like thought I shouldn't be there. Like that's just how I think weird it is to be in your mid twenties. But I think the good thing about being in your mid twenties, I would say fresh out of college, like I, I graduated about a year and a half ago, almost two years in May with my bachelor's in electrical engineering. I know um, that sort of experience where I don't really have much commitment, if that makes any sense. I don't really have a formal family. I don't have um, a lot of debt. I was one of those lucky people that got a full ride through college. And it enables me just to spend all my time within a feasible limit working on Pascal tags and having that hunger of this is my first opportunity and being able to quickly I would say just take everything in very quickly and understand it um, even quicker. And that I think is an advantage of being in your early 20s is you can handle the the late nights, the inevitable struggles of being a first-time entrepreneur, but without having a lot of the commitments of a family debt or really anything like that that could really ruin your perspective. Or not ruin your perspective, but more of – just make it harder on you mentally and eventually physically. But if you're in your mid twenties, you can handle a lot of the things, um, not only physically a little bit easier, but mentally as well. 
that's so cool to hear that you have some of those experiences that you're able to get college paid for and you don't have some of the the normal things hanging over you and like that you're walking through life with, you know, paying off debt and all that stuff, which, you know, for anybody who is keep at it for you, Brandon, great job that you don't have to do that. And like you said, because you don't have some life things that other people do have, you're able to focus your mental capacity and your time elsewhere, which is why you're killing it here. So Brandon, that's really exciting. And I know we're going to wrap up our time here together shortly. What is, what is one piece of advice that you'd give to anyone who man is wanting to be an entrepreneur or who is currently working to keep their startup progressing forward? One thing that I, I struggled with for a very long time is, and I think this is what every entrepreneur really struggles with, especially first time entrepreneurs is the whole goal of a startup is to test hypothesis. And what I mean by that, and that's a very scientific and engineering way of describing it, but it's to test, can you make a product that a customer wants? And with, I think, engineering school in particular doesn't do a very good job of this is you want to get everything perfect. And when it comes to entrepreneurship, that's not true. Where I think I, I wouldn't say delayed what we're doing with our like fortune 500, 600 companies that we're dealing with now, but definitely would have preferred to work with them sooner. And it's mostly because I didn't feel we were ready. I think Reed Hoffman said this, where if you're not embarrassed by your, by your pro your first product, you're too late. And that quote, if I'd ever get a tattoo, I'd probably tattoo myself with that because it is the truest, I think entrepreneurship related quote, that I've heard of the millions that are out there, that really makes sense. Where our first prototypes of what we're doing with our pilots, it's not the best, but it's enough to prove our concept and to build that hypothesis to get to the point where you'd rather test something within the first three months that you're embarrassed of that proves the concept than waiting three or four years and realizing it's just not gonna work. But for us, we've got, ability to test that hypothesis sooner and to actually get excellent data before we realize um, or before you really run into any other problems. Man, that's cool. I, I like also hearing what, what your motivation is. Would you mind, would you mind saying that quote one more time as we wrap up this episode? I, th I feel like that was really, really fitting for your story. So as Reed Hoffman said, if you're not embarrassed by your first product, you're too late. And I think that is a perfect example of what we're doing here at Pascal Tags is trying to test a very innovative product while being able to do it, even though our product may not necessarily be ready, but it's the typical entrepreneurship perspective of a minimum viable product that allows us to get what's needed to be done to prove that there's actually value to our company very early on. So good, dude. So good. Brandon, I speak on behalf of Keith McMunn, which is sometimes dangerous. Keith, the fellowship program at Awesome Inc. And want you to know that we are really excited for, for you to continue being in our program and to see where you guys end up in the next 12 months. So keep at it, brother. Definitely. Thanks again for inviting me. Um, I think, I know I, I'm a big fan of this podcast and I know I'm excited to see where it goes. Hopefully, um, hopefully this one went as well as the others. I know I have my favorites, um, but Definitely, definitely enjoyed the conversation and looking forward to 
kind of helping expand um, what we're doing here at Pascal and hopefully expand entrepreneurship here in Kentucky. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesomings Podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevere and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in this show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in. And let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.